1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to launch our reading at verse 1. If you do not have a tangible Bible, we'll have it projected for you on the screen. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. If you're ready, would you shout, I'm ready. I'm ready. It says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down, the Lord called, Samuel. And he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Go lie down again. And he went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. I know I'm not tripping or hearing things. You called me. He said, I did not call you. Go lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. That's many of us right now. We don't know when God is calling us yet. We call it coincidence. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord revealed to him. And the Lord God, the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, this is what you do. Go lie down and it shall be if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Our clause of concern, our verse of emphasis, where we're going to park and do some work for this sermonic journey on this afternoon, lives in verse 8 of our foundational text, where the scripture tells us that the Lord called Samuel three times. Samuel! Samuel, Samuel, he's probably running to Eli, okay, no, I'm not tripping, you, you, you did call me. Then Eli perceived, what does that mean? He discerned, he discerned this is the method that Yahweh uses when he's trying to speak to his servants. This is the routine, see, when people know how God speaks, they can identify to you when God is trying to get your attention. He says, this is the Lord calling you. I want us to get this family. The Lord called him. He didn't know the Lord's voice. So he went and sought out another voice. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. He was mislabeling God's voice for someone else. The Lord called him. He didn't know the Lord's voice. So he sought out another voice. Oh, your edges. I promise there are certain people you wouldn't be listening to if you were able to discern when God is speaking to you. There are certain podcasts you wouldn't be listening to if you were able to discern when God is speaking to you. There are certain hor horoscopes you wouldn't listen to, zodiac signs you wouldn't listen to, because you know you can't follow zodiac signs and the Holy Spirit at the same time. 
There's certain sage you wouldn't listen to, tarot cards you wouldn't listen to, palm readings, all that demonic stuff, universalism. The universe is not eternal. We don't worship the universe. The universe is moaning and groaning, waiting for the sons of God and the daughters of God to be revealed. We don't worship the created. We worship the creator. There's certain stuff you wouldn't be listening to if you were able to discern God's voice. God calls him, but he doesn't know God's voice yet. So he's seeking out another voice. And I believe some of us have a lot of Samuel tendencies. God will give us a word, and we'll end up taking the word to the wrong voice. So what you're going to do is, God told you to stop sleeping with him or her. Because you're not married to him or her. Why did God tell you to stop doing this? Three reasons. Number one is sin. And sin separates us from God. Number two, your body is a temple, not a doorknob where everybody gets a turn. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And number three, you've been asking God for mental clarity. You've been asking God for peace. Watch this. Purity could be a mind protector. You can't get them out of your head because you keep letting them in your bed. Purity could be a mind protector, but Pastor, I got all these dirty thoughts. I just, I got all these dirty thoughts. I'm trying to get them out of my head. I'm trying, I'm trying to get my head clean. You can't get your mind clean because of who you keep letting it get in between. <laughs> or who you keep watching on a retina screen. That's Pornhub, whatever. I need to get an album. I didn't even mean for that to rhyme. <laughs> I need to drop an album. You, 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 can't, you can't be the solution and the pollution at the same time. You can't. Pick one. You, you can't be cheap and priceless at the same time. Pick one. Pick one. Pick one. Y'all should see y'all faces right now. You can't be God's masterpiece and a whole snack at the same time. But Pastor, I'm a whole snack. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a whole snack. Okay, if you a whole snack, why everybody keep getting a bite? That sounds more like a sample to me, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Well, I, I know who I am. I'm a king, you know. I'm a, I'm a kingdom man. Okay, well, kings don't hump everything. That, that, that's more like a collar than a crown, wouldn't you think? Kings don't hump everything. <laughs> Somebody say kingdom. Kingdom. I, I can't be culture and kingdom at the same time. You've been asking God, I, I need clarity. And he's trying to give you wisdom on his voice. But could it be you're taking what God is telling you to the wrong source? Samuel. God called him three times. Please don't miss this. It's imperative for Samuel to know God's voice. Why? Because he's called to be a prophet. His purpose is to be a prophet. Stay, please pay attention. But how can he walk in his calling if he can't discern when the Lord is calling? His purpose is to be a prophet. But how can we walk in our calling, if we can't discern when God is calling. 
because you will never be able to answer a call from purpose ringing that you can't hear. Talk, Holy Spirit. You will never be able to answer a call from a purpose ringing that you can't hear. I'm trying to get us to see that there is a marriage between hearing and calling. See, all throughout this series, we're talking about voices. I didn't recognize it until this week. People can't walk in callings if they can't hear the one who's calling. This is why so many of us feel like something's missing. It's called your calling, your purpose, your assignment. And so God's like, hey, if they can't hear the voice of the purpose giver, they can never be purposeful. Is this making sense? Samuel, Samuel, the Lord called him three times. I feel led just to speak from this thought, from this subject for a few moments on this Sunday afternoon. I just called you. I just called you. That's prophetic for somebody. Before you went to the club last night, that tension, that was God saying, I just called you. Before you bought weed again from the weed man, y'all don't want to talk. I told you it's coming for your life on today. Before you did that, that tension, that was God saying, I just called you. Before you responded to that DM that you know you shouldn't have responded to, that unsettling, that's God saying, I just called you. The problem is we can't hear because we're spiritually hearing impaired. I just called you. God, unclog our ears so that we will be men and women who are able to hear the voice of our good shepherd. Forgive us for all of the times that we've made decisions that were out of purpose because we didn't have relationship with the purpose giver. God, we understand clearly on today that you're calling and that you're speaking to your people. Give us the wisdom and the biblical intelligence to be able to recognize your voice from a wolf's howl. We're asking that you do it, and just like I prayed in private, I'm also praying in public, anoint me as your oracle, the soundtrack, the PA system of heaven. All of the study means nothing if you are magnified and aren't glorified. We're asking that you do it, and everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout in the room, amen. Amen. There is a marriage between hearing and calling. Watch this. When hearing and calling become intimate, their child name is clarity. Hearing and calling are married. And once they get intimate, they have a child called clarity. Maybe the reason so many things are unclear is because of your ear. Maybe the reason so many things are unclear is because I don't know what I'm called to do in this season. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, we have been plowing through this Voices series for now 13 weeks. Next week is the finale, finally. Next week is the finale of this series, but I'm like, you know what, the anointing? on this series is a little different. Like God is pouring out a little heavy on, I thought Trap House was good. I thought Planted was good. Love is is good, but voices? God must really want his people 
to be able to understand and know him for themselves. God wants us to be able to hear. It's a little oily. Anointing is a little different because the anointing breaks yokes. The anointing crushes chains. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. I'm trying to crush whatever is being a barrier to you being able to hear the voice of your good shepherd. I'm trying to crush it. So your pride, I have to crush that. I have to crush that because pride's favorite words are, I know. You ever meet somebody who said, I know, I know, I know. Show me somebody who traffics and saying, I know, I know, and you just showed me a prideful person. Pride always says, I know. Somebody try to give you wisdom, I know. Try to correct you, I know. Try to hold you accountable, I know. I know. I have to crush that. Because students can't take lessons from a teacher that they can't hear. And it's not as though they can't hear the lesson because the teacher is not teaching it. It's because you feel you already know all the answers. I'm trying to crush that. That pride, I have to crush that. Somebody say crush. I have to crush that pride. Your spiritual laziness, I have to crush that. Because it's too late for you to try to learn how to use your slingshot when Goliath is before you. God's been trying to tell some of us to do some things in 2018, way before the pandemic happened. God told you to do it. The book, he told you to write it. Whatever it is, God, he told you to give birth to it. Can we talk? Can we talk? To not use the gift that God gave you is to tell God, you made a bad investment when you called me. The gift on the inside of you it doesn't benefit us as long as it stays in you. It only benefits us when you give birth to it. When you give birth to it. See, this is why we have to stop minimizing the season of obscurity. Because God loves you so much and he loves me so much where he is building in you character behind the scenes. I'm building in you in biblical intelligence behind the scenes. I'm trying to deal with your Jacob behind the scenes. I don't get glory out of embarrassing you. I don't want to embarrass you in public. I want to deal with your Jacob at night and not at noon. Somebody missed it. When nobody else knows about how lustful you are, I want to deal with it behind the scenes. When nobody knows how much trauma has affected your personality, I want to deal with that behind the scenes. Your lying issue, I want to deal with that behind the scenes. I know that there's a Jacob and an Israel on the inside of you, but they're going to judge you by Jacob regardless of how much Israel moments you have. So I want to deal with that behind the scenes. I want to affirm you behind the scenes. So when it is your scene... What do you mean by seeing, Pastor? It's the time of your life when God makes everybody aware of what he put in you. When God allows everybody to know what he put in you, I want to affirm you behind the scenes so when it is your scene, their rejections won't feel like verdicts. This is so good, y'all. Their rejection won't feel like verdicts because you've been affirmed behind the scenes. I was accepted before you ever rejected me. Please don't let the lack of somebody not understanding what you carry, the lack of them understanding what you carry is not a receipt of your value. Did y'all hear me? Like their discernment issue is not my identity issue. 
It's not my fault that you can't discern that I'm anointed. It's not my fault that you can't discern that I'm called. It's not my fault that you can't discern that I'm redeemed. It's not my fault that you can't discern that I'm justified. That's your problem, not my problem. Return to sender. Somebody say crush. He's trying to crush that. Stop looking for affirmation from them. Wherever you stare is where you will steer. Wherever you stare is where you will steer. Maybe this is why God tells us in Colossians chapter 3, focus on things above, not on things beneath, because wherever you stare is where you will steer. Trying to crush that. Trying to crush it. See, this is the danger of rushing obscurity seasons versus allowing God to build in you character. You'll be so caught up trying to be seen that you'll be underdeveloped for your scene. Did y'all hear me? You'll be so caught. I need them to see what I got. I need to see what I could do. I need them to see my gift. I need them to see my call. You'll be so caught up trying to be seen that you'll be undeveloped for your scene. I have to crush that. I have to, I have to crush the I have to heart. I have to crush that. Because obligation never inspires generosity. This is so good, y'all. Obligation never inspires generosity. So you won't give. And you won't help the people who the Holy Spirit is compelling for you to help because of your survivalist mentality. I told you, your scalp, your neck, and your toes. I, I have to crush it. I, I have to crush it. I told us this in 2020. When God blesses me, it's for me to bless you. When God blesses you, it's for you to bless them. God never favors you for you. He favors you for a people. I have to, I have to crush that. The routines that you have created to survive won't serve you in your next. Because when God gives you next, you will have a hoarding mentality. Versus I got more so I could give more. Is this making sense? I have to crush that. Well, I don't really feel like I should give there. I don't really feel like I should do it. Okay, obedience is not tied to a feeling. Obedience is a decision. Y'all do know that I think because we're used to presidents, we're used to like, Voting that we forget. It's not like that in the kingdom. What the king says, go. You can't veto him. You can't impeach him. You can't say, well, I don't like that. This is the kingdom and what I say goes. I have to crush that. So therefore, the goal is for us to discover our purpose to serve versus a lifestyle to live. Messing your head up. Why you were born? For you to discover your purpose to serve all the days of your life versus you develop a lifestyle so that you can live. Everybody wants the blessings of being God's child. Nobody wants the responsibility of being God's witness. Bless me, bless me, bless me. What you going to do with it, though? Called Samuel three times. Did not know the Lord's voice yet. 
He had to be taught. This, this is why God has to crush spiritual ignorance. Because bad theology leads to bad application. Is this making sense? Okay, if what you believe is not formed by Scripture, you are worshiping a God that you made versus the God that made you. I have to have biblical intelligence because all deception starts with, did God really say? Where in the Bible does it say? Where in the Bible? Where in the Bible? Where in the Bible? Where in the Bible? Show me book and verse. Where in the Bible say? Where? All deception began with, did God really say? And so when we are biblically ignorant, we will end up consuming sugar and then feel super convicted when you're hearing salt. But pastor, I, I, binge, I binge a whole lot of sermons. Okay, maybe that's the problem because sometimes the more sermons you listen to, the more confused you're going to get. It's not the amount of sermons you listen to. It's the soundness of theology that you're consuming. Is it Bible or does it just sound good? Have to crush that. So last week, we ended what I'm speaking about. This weapon of mass destruction, this weapon of spiritual mass destruction that hell keeps on using is the weapon of a microphone. Let me amplify the voices that are toxic. Let me amplify wrong voices and watch this. I'm going to confuse them by throwing some scripture in it. I'm going to throw a little scripture in it, a little new age in it. Well, they say Jesus sometime. They say hashtag God podcast first. Like, they, I hope that's nobody's podcast. That was like straight. <laughs> let, let me throw that in there and let me twist it because that old serpent likes to amplify wrong and twist it. Yeah. Twist it so that they can be deceived. And what we're going to talk about for the next few moments, I really believe culminates what we've been dealing with for the last several weeks. Because as I'm studying it and I'm engaged in sermon prep, there's two qualities of God that I think we often forget. And that is, God is intentional and deliberate. Hmm. He's intentional. Somebody say intentional. And deliberate. So if you're Mary and Martha, he's intentionally not going to come when you ask him to. It's deliberate. I heard your prayer, but I'm deliberately not going to answer it right now. I'm going to let Lazarus die. Because sometimes I like to show that I'm multifaceted. You want me to be a healer. I want to show you I'm also the resurrection. I'm deliberate and I'm intentional. We clap until God is deliberate with you. <laughs> He's deliberate and intentional. If you're Jairus. And you told me to come check on your daughter because she's sick. I'm deliberately and intentionally going to stop in the marketplace and say, who touched me? So, somebody touched my clothes. I understand, Jairus, that you're in a hurry, but I'm deliberately going to wait your request. 
because somebody with the issue of blood who goes nameless just touched me. And I know that her testimony is going to inspire generations from now that whenever you're going through a thing, whenever you're suffering, all you need is to reach out to Jesus. We still are talking about it thousands and thousands of years later about her reaching out to inspire us. Maybe all you need to do is reach out. Intentionally and deliberately going to delay. If you're Jonah, I'm intentionally and deliberately going to let a big fish swallow you up. And I'm deliberately going to leave you in fish stomach acid for three days. <laughs> Why? So that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, when the Pharisees are rolling upon Jesus and asking him for a sign, Jesus could say this, no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. I love when the Bible connects. Verse 40, it says, just like Jonah was in the belly of the big fish three days and three nights, the Son of Man is going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. He could not say that if God didn't deliberately allow Jonah to sit in that for three days. Not one, not two, but I'm deliberately going to let you sit in it. For three days. See, ooh, this is a word for somebody. Some of us are sitting in things that you don't understand right now that's prophetic for somebody later. It won't make sense until you have grandchildren. It won't make sense until you get married. It won't make sense until another season of your life. This happened for you to sit in it so it can be prophetic for somebody else later. Hmm. I intentionally and deliberately delay. I said all of that to say God moves with the purpose. Whenever he moves, it's on purpose. Whenever he stops, it's on purpose. When he opens doors, it's on purpose. When he shuts doors, it's on purpose. When God speaks, it's on purpose. When God is silent, it's on purpose. And since God is always moving forward and never wants us to be stagnant, even the times in our life when we feel as though God is doing nothing, it's because he's up to something because God always moves with a purpose. I'm going to keep going and make it personal. Your ethnicity is on purpose. Your age is on purpose. Your height is on purpose. The personality that you had before the trauma, see, the personality you have now, that's not you. That's not you. You need to get healed. But the personality that you had before the trauma, that was on purpose. The city that you're in is on purpose. The state that you're in is on purpose. Your parents were on purpose. You watching this right now live is on purpose. You sitting in these seats are on purpose. It's not a cosmic collision, no big bang, none of this shocked God. It was all on purpose. Now, if our God is a God of purposefulness, and you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. I have to teach today, y'all. If our God is a God of purpose, and you and I are made in the image and likeness of God, this means that we should be people of purpose. See, when you're people of purpose, you can make purposeful decisions. Every decision you make is full of your purpose. So what you say no to, you're saying no to on purpose. What you're saying yes to, you're saying yes to on purpose. Who you marry, you're marrying them on purpose. Not because of loneliness. 
but you're doing it on purpose. Can we talk? Yes. See, when you, are un when you understand your calling and your purpose, distractions become clear. It's easy. The reason many of us can't discern distractions is because we can't hear the voice of our purpose giver and we don't know our purpose. Perfect example. Friends came in last night from college. Say, hey, Jerry, we're in town just for a little bit. You want to come with us to Top Golf? No. <laughs> Why? Because I'm aware of my purpose. I have to study because tomorrow afternoon I have to edify the body. That wasn't hard for me. That wasn't tempting for me. I was fully clear on my purpose. So I purposely said no. And I did not care what they thought about my no. Oh, that's being mean. No, that's being called. Somebody needs to write that down. That's not being mean. That's being called. I understand what I'm called to do. And when you understand your calling, distractions get clear. Hear me, family. If I was a note taker, I would write this down. You are only as strong as your ear. My sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Those who have ears, let them hear. You are only as strong as your ear. When your why is clear, the how doesn't phase you. This is so good. I got to teach today. Can't really preach. I have to teach. When your why is clear, the how doesn't phase you. How is going to happen? I don't know. I just know I'm called to do it. How many people are going to show up? I don't know. I just know I'm called to do it. What if they don't like it? That doesn't really phase me. I just know I'm called to do it. See, this is why likes hurt you so much. Your why isn't clear. You're looking for your why to be confirmed from crowds versus from the king. But when your why, gosh, I'm trying to help us. When your why is confirmed by the king, the how of life doesn't phase you. Because my, my why is clear. Y'all ready for this? Can we go a little deeper? The less spiritually hearing impaired you are, the more you will get an awareness of who you are. And the more you get an awareness of who you are, the more allergic you become to who you've been. One more again. One more again. Talk, Holy Spirit. The less spiritually hearing impaired you are, the more you will become aware of who you are. And the more you become aware of who you are, the more you become allergic to who you've been. I start like kind of itching when I think about going back to the stuff I've been to. I start breaking out in hives when I think about going back. I'm trying to help somebody to stop going back to the thing that God has called you out of. See, it's not the temptation that's the problem. It's not the weed that's the problem. It's not the Hennessy that's the problem. It's you don't know who you are that's the problem. That, that's it. It's you don't know that you're the head and not but the tail. It's you don't know that you're above and not beneath. It's you don't know that you are called to be a divine thermostat. You set the temperature of atmospheres. You don't let atmospheres affect your temperature, so you're not going to be on fire for God at your job because of their atmosphere. 
You're not going to be on fire in the community because of their atmosphere. You are called to be a divine thermostat. You set the temperature. You're called to be a world changer. You're called to be a change agent. You're called to be an ambassador of the kingdom. You're called to be a royal official of the kingdom. The problem is not the temptation. It's the lack of knowing who you are. It's the lack of knowing and fully understanding who God called for me to be. I can't be both. I'm not trying to be both. Like I said, I can't be pollution and solution. At the same time, I can't be both. I want kingdom, not culture. I want, if it's not God's will, I don't want it. I don't want relationships that look good for us to post. I want to be in relationships that are purposeful. They're full of purpose. I want God's will. All right, ladies, I'm about to come for your neck. Everywhere I go, when these conferences, I keep on hearing women keep on saying, where the good man at? They ain't no good man. They ain't no kingdom man. I'm like, man, for them to not be a lot of kingdom men, we sure do keep ending up pregnant. See? 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 Everybody wants real until the preacher's real back. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Do you really want kingdom? Are you just professing it because it sounds good? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know we're going to get some unfollows on that. I know. That's, that's not who you are. Who are you? The Bible tells us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, not just a possession, but his special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you. Somebody say, I called you. I called, you. called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The less spiritually hearing impaired you are, the more you become aware of who you are. And the more you become aware of who you are, the more allergic you become to who you were. Amen. This is so good, y'all. This, this series and this sermon is really twofold. Number one, the first point is to get us to understand hearing is tied to injury prevention. That was part one of this series. Hearing is tied to injury prevention. There's some pain you won't feel when you can hear. When you can discern when God is saying yes to a thing and when God is saying no to a thing, there's certain pain that you won't feel. I don't want to have to be in recovery season if I could avoid it. Anybody, maybe it's just me. I'm sorry. Maybe it's just me. If, if I'm going to experience pain because I'm crucifying my flesh, I'm not going to crucify my flesh and experience pain because of my choices. It's for us to understand that hearing is tied to injury prevention. Hear me. The calling of God prevents you finding comfort in settling. The calling of God. This is why you can't get comfortable in whatever it is that you're trying to get comfortable in. I, I, if God would just speak to me. That discomfort is him speaking to you. I'm not allowing for you to get comfortable in that sin. 
Because the call of God will always prevent for you to get comfortable in settling. Number two, God wants us to know his voice so that the fog can be removed on what you're called to do. Man, I wish I had this. God wants you to know his voice so that the fog of what you have been called to do can be removed. Generations are going to benefit from you living on purpose. Your home is going to benefit from you living on purpose. Your marriage is going to benefit from you living on purpose. Your singleness will benefit from you living on purpose. Your bloodline is going to benefit from you living on purpose. I just think about myself, like me saying yes to God on April the 26th of 2006, that was my rebirth day. And then me saying yes to God to be lead pastor in November of 2019, it has benefited so many people. And I'm just, I'm just one man. What about your yes and 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 your yes? If one man could do that, how much more with you being obedient and living in your purpose can it do? Living in purpose. So what is purpose? Purpose is your divine measurements. It's your divine measurements. This is the measurement of grace that God has given you to fulfill your assignment. It's your divine measurements. The purpose, these are going to be symbolic of people. The purpose of you has a certain measurement. You have a certain measure of grace for your purpose. But then for her, she may have a whole different measurement of grace for her purpose. Now here's the thing. This is why it's dangerous for you to try to compare yourself with other people. Because this is her measure of grace. But if she tries to do what he's trying to do, she has no measure of grace. Each one of them have different measurements of grace. He is tailored for his particular assignment. Customized for his calling. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and myself can both wear suits. But I can't wear Dwayne Johnson's suit. It's too big. And he can't wear my suit. It's too small. So when you try to compare yourself to other people, you will either step in something that's too small for you or you will step in something that's too big for you. But the premise of it is we both can wear suits. Is this making sense? Okay, let's keep going. Purpose is when God looked in time. He looked in time. He saw where you would be. He saw what would be your ethnicity. He saw where your city would be. He saw who your family would be. Some of us are like, nah, God had to miss that part. <laughs> he saw where your family would be. And then, oop, he saw a problem. So then he turned around, formed you, and put a problem-solving anointing on the inside of you. Problem-solving anointing on the inside of you. And a problem-solving anointing on the inside of you. Because purpose fixes problems. The purpose of lights is to fix a darkness problem. The purpose of glasses is to fix a sight problem. The purpose of these cameras is to, is to help a distance problem. The purpose of your phone is to produce a communication 
I need you to be able to communicate even if you're way off somewhere else. I don't know how they did it in the Bible. Could y'all imagine, imagine if you left something at your mom's house in Bible times? I guess I got to go on back over there. Now you can just text and fixes a problem. Somebody say problem. <laughs> it fixes a problem. So but before your mama ever met your daddy, before she ever thought your daddy was cute or however it went down for you to get here, before your mother ever heard a doctor tell her to push, push as she's birthing you into the earth realm, before she ever had the C-section, before you ever got here, God knew that you will be born. And so for us, we call it a birthday, but for the kingdom, it's a problem-solving day. I'm trying to get us to get this. I have to teach. This is why, this is why hell attacks us when we're young. Because to you, you're excited. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. But to hell, oh no, a problem solver was just born. Okay. So if, if I could get this problem solver distracted with her, if I can get two of them to be distracted with each other, they'll be so distracted that they won't solve their problem. So I'm going to distract them to death. I'm going to distract them to death because if he or she ever recognizes that they're supposed to fix a problem, they're going to be my problem. So I don't want them to ever discover that they're going to be my problem, so I'm going to try to make them think they have so many problems. Okay, that, that, that's not good enough. I want to sexually confuse society, so I'm going to try to get him with him. Because I know that they're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. They can't do that. So this is going to be a problem for the kingdom agenda. So if I can get them so caught up on their flesh and their desires, he will be a man that never fixes his problem. He will be a man that will never fix his problem. And she who is supposed to be with him is waiting for him to get right. So now we have a whole bunch of people. Is this making sense? If, if purpose fixes problems, no wonder our world is filled with so many problems because so many people don't live on purpose. You know, we live, we live on pleasure. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. We live on pleasure. And you can't hear the voice of purpose when pleasure's at the wheel. So God's like, okay. I said, I said, okay, I'm going to create you, and I'm going to create her and him. And I see that there's a problem. So now I'm allowing you to be born in the earth for you to fix the problem. I want us to see this chart. Probably can have to move this. Warren, help me move this real quick. Carl, if you could put this chart up. I want them to see. This is the chart so that we can fully see how it's supposed to look. Okay. This is the process of purpose. Thank you, bro. First, there's a problem. Somebody say problem. problem. God sees it. Come on, y'all tell him God sees it. So he forms you. This is so good. See, some of us are complaining about the problem that God already saw, so he made you. 
And after he forms you, then he calls you. The reason he calls you is so that you could fix it. This is so good, y'all. Watch it. Watch this in reverse. If you don't fix it because you don't hear the call, why you've been formed that God knows you won't fix the problem. So now it makes sense to me. Now when he says many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And didn't we prophesy in your name? And he will tell them, I never knew you. It's because the version of you I knew is to fix the problem. Oh, I'm about to get some unfollows. But the version that you became while you were here became this. And so now you are never able to fulfill what I called you to do because you became a version of you that you weren't called to ever be. So that version of you, I never knew. Can I keep going? Okay. The reason warfare, y'all, pray for your pastor because I'm not scared to preach truth. I'm not. I'm not scared to preach truth. Get that one for me. Lord, get this one for me, bro. I'm not scared to preach truth. Okay? So look, anybody who feels, just lining up behind just like that, anybody who feels as though, man, I'm dealing with so much warfare, it's because you could be in a bloodline. Mama didn't fix it. Daddy didn't fix it. Granddaddy didn't fix it. But you have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to turn around and say, I'm going to face it. The problem, it stops with me. Mama didn't defeat it. But by the grace of God, I'm going to defeat it. Daddy didn't defeat it. But by the grace of God, I'm going to defeat it. Great granddad never defeated, but by the grace of God, it stops right here. Stops right here. But pastor, it's so hard. It's because you're the one called to face it. You're the one that God has allowed for you to see it so that you can stop it. And just a few more weeks on Thanksgiving, you're going to see it. Around your family, you're going to see what they didn't see. Somebody say face it. <clears throat> okay, can I keep going? All right, so what I believe God did was God made something that I call, this is literally a word that I feel God gave me. He gave all of us what I call tailored agitations. Okay? <laughs> tailored agitations. This is when there is something that is tailored to this brother that really only agitates him. It don't agitate him, but it, but it agitates him. There's something that God has tailored that agitates her. And the reason it agitates her is because she's supposed to fix it. it it's a tailored agitation. This is how two people could see the same thing. One person's disturbed, the other person don't even bother them. I remember being in college. I'm in the club, two weeks out, about to pledge a fraternity. That's all I wanted to do. 
and there was something that we were at this uh, Omega Sci-Fi fraternity party, right? They had this drink called Q-Oil. I don't know what was in that thing. <laughs> but whenever people drank that thing, I remember seeing this girl just, she is just so wasted. And, you know, friends around laughing. I'm looking at her, kind of upset. I'm like, man, she don't know how she's going to get home. These dudes all around her ain't no telling what they, I'm agitated. Now, I went there because I just want to be, in a few more weeks, I want to, ah, I want to do all this. I want, that's it. That's all I wanted to do. But sometimes this is how purpose works. It will agitate you when you least expect it. I'm sitting here in the club agitated. Agitated. Why? Because my purpose is to bring sobriety to your generation. So the fact that she's intoxicated and drunk right now, and everybody just laughing, pull up, drink, pass out, drink. Everybody, I'm sitting here like, how's she going to get home, though? Tailored agitation. There's something, Jerry, that you're called to fix and is agitating you right now. Some of us have experienced it. One of your friends think it's funny, you think it's awful. That's not funny. It's, it's a roadmap of what God is calling for you to fix. I'm trying to help us, y'all. So if, if you really look at the life of Samuel, I want to show you via several passages of Scripture why it was so important for Samuel to get this part right. Like you could, you could get several things wrong. You don't want to get the voice of God wrong. So 1 Samuel Chapter 3, verse 21, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Okay, remember, he didn't know his voice at first. Eli had to teach him what to do when he first heard God responding to him. After he's taught what to do, then God is constantly revealing himself to him. Does this make a sense? You hear the call of salvation. You respond to it. Then you join a community. You get discipled. And the discipleship helps you so that the Lord can keep on revealing himself to you. Is this making sense? Okay. More Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 15. It says, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people of Israel. He will deliver them from the hands of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. I want you to see the progression. Lord calls him, doesn't know God's voice. Seeks another voice. That voice teaches him what to do when God is speaking to him. Okay. So then God starts to reveal himself to Samuel. Now Samuel is in a place now where God is telling him who to pick. Y'all seeing this? Okay. Saul doesn't obey God. Saul doesn't obey God. Samuel is hurt by that. Because Saul was my boy. I want to give you more Bible on this. 
1 Samuel chapter 16. This is after the king Saul, first king of, first king of Israel, did not obey God. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So now the voice of God is helping him recover. He's mourning. How long, how long are we going to cry over that? It's over. You've been crying since 2021. We're about to go in 2024. Pick up your horn. Watch this. There's a level of anointing that somebody else has to benefit from. Stop crying over that. I've rejected that. Move on. Okay? I'm going to give you more Bible. Give you more Bible. Okay. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. I'm like, okay, hold on. Whoa. God is teaching you his voice. He has revealed himself to you. He told you what was the first king of Israel. And now the same man is about to pick wrong. Y'all catching this? He looks at Elab and says, this the one. Watch what God says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Watch it. So now the voice of the Lord is correcting him from about to make a wrong pick. Are you seeing how critical it was for Samuel to be able to know the voice of God? Because his pain, he was mourning, remember. And when you mourn, you don't pick right. I don't have time to bother that. I don't have time to bother that. He's mourning and about to pick wrong, but God recalculates his pick. This is so good, y'all. The Lord said, the Lord said, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, but people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Now Samuel has it. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel says, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Look at the accuracy. Okay, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Now look, his daddy left him out. Because sometimes people don't see the king in you because they're so familiar with you. Couldn't see it. But I want you to see how now how accurate he is. Okay. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and had some features. The Lord said, rise, anoint him. This is the one. Okay? Can I show you all something else? It's not just you being able to hear the voice of God, but you having people who have wisdom in your ear too. Okay? Give you Bible to prove this. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. 
One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you. Come on, girl. So you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he has been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be at the winnowing barrel at the threshing floor. Now, do as I tell you. Take a bath. Put on some perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. This is the Bible. Then go to the threshing floor, but do not let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. So she's like, I'm going to help you, girl. <laughs> put some perfume on. Beat your face. Well, beat means put makeup on in a stylish. I have to be clear. Okay? I'm helping you be positioned. Okay, how does that tie in the voices? I'm going to show you how. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so you're telling me Samuel anointing King David was critical for the bloodline of the Messiah. Hmm. I, okay, I'm not going to read all of them. Just go down to verse 5. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obad, whose mother was Ruth. Obad, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. So, Naomi telling Ruth something was critical for the interest of the Messiah. Samuel anointing King David was critical for the coming of the Messiah. Look how you obeying God's voice now could affect centuries. So good, y'all. So I'm going to give these to you fast because I'm out of time. I don't really have time to break them down. I'm not going to be able to go through all the scriptures. Why purpose? Number one, why purpose? It brings unspeakable fulfillment. Purpose. It brings unspeakable fulfillment. I promise you, it will finally make sense why everything else didn't work when you're actually in purpose. Why purpose? It brings unspeakable fulfillment. Number two, why purpose? Purpose helps you to decipher. I'm able to decipher distractions from God appointments because I'm in purpose. When I met Jesus and got saved like for real, for real, because I thought I was saved because my mom and daddy were saved. You know, a lot of PKs do that. They think we're saved by their salvation. You can't get fooled watching somebody else eat. Right? So I had to have my own encounter with Jesus. So then I switched my major from pre-med to communications. I need a degree in communications. I need a degree in psychology. And I need a degree in seminary. Why? I need to know how to talk. I need to know how people think. And I need to know the word of God for myself. I switched my whole, my whole life turned around when I fully understood you're going to be a pastor. Understood that in 2006. Didn't walk into it until 2019. Clear, okay? Number three, why is purpose, why purpose? Because purpose is connected to your provision. Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gift makes room for him. So God's design for wealth was meant to come through inheritance, gifting, giving, and skilled work. That's his methodology for wealth. Inheritance, a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Your gift 
whatever it is, speaking, art, whatever your gift is, giving, people giving to your cause are skilled work. You're not just working, but you're doing it with skill. Okay? So now, how do you, how do you discover purpose? It will be foolish for me to say all this. You've got to know purpose and don't help you on how to know, like how to do it. Number one, what's your passion? Your passion is always married to your purpose. Look in the Bible. When do we see Jesus the most passionate? When he's flipping over tables in the house. He's flipping over tables. Y'all made my father's house a den of thieves. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. What is prayer? Connecting us to God. What is Jesus' purpose? Teaching us kingdom principles, dying on the cross for our sins so that we could be connected with God. He's most passionate about his purpose. Passion. This is why hell sends pain. Because somebody may be watching this message and you're like, man, I'm numb. I don't have no passion at all. It's because you're not healed. Tailored agitations. How to discover purpose first, what's your passion? Number two, gifts and strengths. What are you gifted at? Where are you strong at? What is easy for you that's hard for other people? Your gift and your strength. Number three, a purpose circle. It's going to be easy for you to be distracted if all of your friends are distracted too. I have to be surrounded by people in purpose. If something's wrong on my iPhone, I'll go to another iPhone user and say, hey, does your phone do this? I'm not going to go to an Android. No shade. <laughs> I'm going to be surrounded by people who are also in purpose so that they can give me wisdom. Amen. And last point, know your creator. Samuel, Samuel, Eli, here I am. No. Go lay back down. And when you hear the voice again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. If Samuel would not have gotten that part right. I'm trying, I had to walk through all of this so we could see it. Look how critical it was for Samuel to get that part right. The reason I firmly believe this, the reason God wants us to get this part right is because you're going to need his guidance more than you've ever needed it come 2024. And I need you to get this part right so that when you get Elam before you, you can identify that's not God. That's not, I want to pick right. So God, teach me your voice. God, teach us your voice. Teach us your voice because we see just from one biblical icon's life how critical it is for us to be able to hear. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see so that our will and your will can be in sync. In Jesus' name. Everybody agrees with that. Would you say amen? Was this good for somebody?